we were taught that homosexuality or any sort of feelings like that could be controlled in the same way that you might want to strangle someone when you get really mad at them. You count to 10 and you think, well, I'm not going to strangle them. And the same application was used for uh, same-sex attraction as it was labeled back then. Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, conversion therapy is when individuals are often subjected to dangerous and discredited practices aimed at changing their sexual orientation or gender identity. Young Labour and Young Greens are throwing their weight behind calls for the government to ban gay conversion therapy. After more than a year of waiting, the government is finally making good on its promise to ban conversion practices, commonly characterised as gay conversion therapy. But not everyone's happy about it. There's concern parents could be caught out by the government's planned gay conversion therapy law. Under the bill, they could face jail time if they stop their children from taking puberty blockers. We only want serious cases to be criminalised, and we've designed the legislation in that way. Parents should be able to have frank and open conversations with their kids about delicate matters without the threat of going to jail. Conversion therapy lurks in the shadows. Nobody seems to know how prevalent it is, And one of the main criticisms of these laws is that they're being created without knowing whether they'll actually solve the problem or whether there is a problem to solve. What will they mean for some religious people, for example, who sincerely believe acting on homosexual feelings is a sin? What does it mean for the parent whose 14-year-old child says they're trans and who wants to make sure they're not going through a phase? Today on the podcast, public law expert Dr. Eddie Clark and clinical psychologist Dr. Paul Skiro on the nuts, bolts and fishhooks of the proposed legislation. If someone came up to you, they know nothing about this issue, they haven't been following the news at all, and they said, what is conversion therapy? What is this stuff that everyone's talking about? What would your response be? Well, that's a very big uh, question, actually, um, and one of the things that I think a lot of people get quite concerned about. Dr. Paul Skero is a clinical psychologist and spokesperson for the NZ College of Clinical Psychologists. Conversion therapy itself is an attempt to change somebody's um, sexual identity or gender identity, um, which is, is kind of different, different from changing their sex. Um, it, it, it's about who they identify as being. So some, most typically in the past, it's been aimed at people who are gay and trying to, to make them straight through various forms of psychological or spiritual kind of um, therapy, some of which has involved um, some, some quite nasty practices involving electric shocks and all kinds of things. Uh, but more modernly, it's, it's kind of a form of talking therapy. And so uh, it kind of goes without saying, but this is not an effective thing to do, presumably. No, no, we, we know. Uh, I mean, so the bottom line is it, it doesn't work. Um, it, it, it rarely changes. Well, it, well, there's no evidence to show that it changes people's um, sexual orientation or gender identity at all, even after, um, you know, um, decades of, of people trying to do this. Uh, it, it doesn't work. But also in the process, it usually harms people. Um, there's loads of kind of psychological problems that people have as a result of going through uh, conversion therapy. Now, one of the big questions here is... To what extent this actually goes on in New Zealand? No, we don't really ha- have an answer to that. But the fact that very many people are saying uh, that they've been through this in New Zealand and, you know, it's obviously a significant enough of an issue for um, people to be lobbying the government to introduce this this, uh, this ban. So it clearly does go on, but um, not many places advertise it. 
uh, until recently, I, I, I knew of one place that was kind of advertising that as a service. But um, uh, other than that, I, I, you rarely hear of professional psychologists or counsellors or um, psychotherapists because um, it's actually against our code of ethics. So only some people kind of outside the system tend to offer these things, often, as you say, associated with um, Christian ministries. The idea of trying to convert gay people to become straight has been around since Moses was in short pants. But discussion around a ban really started to heat up in 2018. TVNZ's Sunday programme ran a confronting segment in which a journalist went undercover to seek out conversion therapy. Jay was referred to Natasha Ellis through Living Wisdom, a Nelson-based religious counselling service led by David Riddell. Homosexuality, a sexual addiction, due often to imprinting. From his perspective, your attraction can absolutely be changed. I know of a bowel surgeon. He sees the effects on people's bodies of homosexual sex, and he says it's absolutely destructive. In their first session, Natasha offers Jay cards with sayings on them, which she says will help rewire his brain. In the lead-up to the 2020 election, the Labour Party promised it would ban the practice if re-elected. It duly was. But Justice Minister Chris Farfoy was initially cagey on when legislation might be introduced. And then the Green Party started up a petition urging the government to fast-track it. A petition started by the Green Party calling for the urgent banning of conversion therapies has reached 80,000 signatures in just 38 hours. The petition ended up getting more than 150,000 signatories and the government relented, saying it would introduce legislation by the middle of the year with a mind to passing a law in 2022. Now, draft legislation has been released and that takes us up to today. The sort of centre of it is that it says it is unlawful to conduct conversion practices. So what, what they mean by conversion practice is kind of the core of this legislation. Dr Eddie Clark is a public law expert and a senior lecturer at Victoria University. They say that it's something directed at someone because of their orientation, gender identity or gender expression, and that those actions are performed with the intent of changing or suppressing their orientation, gender, identity or expression. So it's change or suppress, so it's not you have to promise that it's definitely going to change who you are. It can also be caught if you're, here's how to bottle it up and put it in a tiny corner of your psyche and be tortured and sad. For children, that's just absolutely banned. You cannot do this, uh, and it's a criminal offence with a significant penalty, I believe uh, three years, for doing this to anyone under the age of 18 or who has diminished capacity or for some reason can't understand what is going on and, and is vulnerable. For, for adults who are not vulnerable, it requires that the prosecutors can show that serious harm was caused. Includes psychological harm, includes physical harm, but there is a requirement to prove that element of harm if you're a non-vulnerable adult before it can be prosecuted. This is an important feature because, like it or not, there might well be adults who really do struggle to reconcile with their sexual orientation, who might genuinely feel it's sinful and who might genuinely want to undergo conversion practices. If you did that of your own volition as an adult, it wouldn't be illegal in and of itself because for adults, the practices have to cause harm. And if you sort this out for yourself and you're happy with how it went, then no harm. 
And this isn't the only wriggle room in the legislation. There are also a bunch of carve-outs which are specifically identified as not being conversion practices. Back to Eddie Clark. The first one, and the really important one, because I had seen this floating around over the past year, is that it says that gender-affirmative health care, helping people transition, helping people deal with gender dysphoria, those are not conversion therapy in the sense that you're trying to turn someone trans. Um, that can't be caught by this legislation. It's explicitly excluded. Uh, and similarly, affirming health care for queer people more broadly uh, is not included. And also there's a, a, an exception for health care within a healthcare practitioner's scope of practice. Mm. And you go, as a lawyer, you go back and you look at the definition section and there's three cross-references to a different act. So you oh, know dear. that it's doing something a little bit complicated. <laughs> um, and basically what it does is if you're a regulated health professional, which is not every type of health professional in New Zealand, mm-hmm. you're providing services within the scope of practice of that profession that's ethical and normal healthcare practice, that won't get caught. And relevantly for, for this case, it, that includes doctors, nurses, psychologists and psychiatrists. Um, so they can provide care that's within the normal ethical standards of those professions and not be caught. Interestingly, counsellors are not a regulated profession under the relevant Act. So councillors can't rely on that carve-out. Uh-huh. It's important to say that the New Zealand Association of Councillors has a clear position on conversion therapy, and that is uh, that it's unethical and you shouldn't do it. Uh-huh. Um, but just because of the legal status of that profession compared to the other ones, they can't rely on that carve-out. One of the fears that I did hear expressed around this is, and let's use a hypothetical example, say mm. that you have a 15-year-old child, they're assigned female at birth, they say they are trans, and that as soon as they're able, they want to go on to hormone replacement therapy. That is a big step. Naturally, if you're that child's parent, you want to make sure that they are sure. And so, I don't know, maybe you ask them to go to a counsellor. Is it the sort of like the intent of the legislation that the counsellor or, or the psychologist or whatever should be able to have that conversation to say, are you absolutely sure about this because this is serious stuff that we're talking about here? It can have long-term implications for you. Therefore, that needs to be... The ability to have that conversation should be protected. I mean, it's completely normal to be working through questions of your own identity at that, at that sort of age. As long as it is not, the, the key point is that it has to be directed at suppressing or changing the orientation. So working through questions, working through how people are feeling, I don't think necessarily would be caught and I don't think is intended to be caught, nor do I think, uh, and there's another question about, about how desirable this is, but I certainly I don't think this legislation would catch parents that did not proactively support the gender transition of of their child. I don't think that inaction in a way that isn't supportive of a sexual orientation or potential transition, I don't think that inaction would be caught either. If a parent says to a 12-year-old, you are not taking hormone blockers to change your gender because you are too young, is that right or wrong under this legislation? So, So... Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the principle, okay? Why can you not answer no, 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 this question? No, 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 You're no, introducing Heather, Heather, legislation. And, and I'm, I'm about to answer it for you. Please do. Because if, because of someone's sexual orientation, regardless of who that is or their gender identity, you intend to, ch- to change or suppress that person's gender identity or sexual orientation, 
And I think in that, in, in that situation, For just God's outlined... sake, Minister, it's a 12-year-old. How can you say that you're going to throw a parent in jail because they stopped no, and, their and, child and, changing and their gender? That, okay, uh, but we're not going to do that. Not everybody is that au fait with um, trans issues or non-binary issues. And, you know, it, it is absolutely conceivable that a parent, um, upon being told by their 15-year-old child that they are trans, says, no, you're not. Come on, get real. Would that sort of reaction be criminalised? Could that be criminalised under this? So would it? I don't think so. Could it? Uh, depending on where it gets to, yes. And actually the government's pretty clear on this in this regulatory impact statement. It says if you have parents that get to the threshold, which is reasonably high, but if you get to that threshold, then yes, parents would be caught. And they make the point that we do this already with things like child neglect and child abuse. The fact that it's your parents acting in a particular way that is abusive or damaging to you doesn't necessarily excuse them from it. A simple denial of that sort of thing, again, without trying to actively change it, I don't think would be caught. And if parents are trying to actively change their child's sexual orientation or gender identity, it becomes... Do we care that it's parents rather than a, a health professional, in inverted commas, that is doing that? The harm to the, to the child is still the same. But I think that's at a reasonably high bar. I think people not really getting it is not the intent of this, and neither do I think it would be prosecuted. Yeah, because ultimately it is down to... Because these are criminal uh, areas of criminal law, it is down to the police to make a call as to whether they prosecute or not, correct? And not, and not just the police. So this has an addition, which is... The Attorney-General of New Zealand has to give consent for that case or prosecution to go ahead. What it does is put a check on prosecutions to make sure this isn't being overzealous or overbroad. Um, so they, the, the government is alive to the fact that there's a risk here and try, is trying to avoid it. As you, as you say, in and I want to finish this point, In the meantime, I you are ruining a parent's life no, while you drag them through this process no, up to the Attorney-General. No, so so, so uh, this bill isn't about criminalising people. This bill is about making sure that we prevent harm that is happening as a result of these conversion practices and make sure that healthy and respectful conversations about sexual orientation and gender, gender identity are happening generally stating religious principles about sexual orientation or gender identity towards someone without further trying to suppress or change orientation or identity, that is also carved out from the meaning of conversion practice. Sure. I, I wanted to ask you about that, yeah, because, you know, there are many religions uh, which maintain that acting on homosexual urges is a sin and is forbidden. We may not agree with them. I certainly don't agree with that. But they may be honestly held, honestly felt beliefs. But this legislation would not criminalise those? It depends what is done with that. The simple expression of those views at someone who has said, or has said, I'm gay, and, and then Leviticus or whatever is quoted at them, mm. um, that certainly wouldn't be criminalised. Degrees of pressure that that reach the threshold of... Suppress it, forcing someone to suppress their sexual orientation or gender identity, that would be caught and that is intended to be caught. The logic seems to be, and, and this is logic I agree with, that the fact that it's religiously motivated doesn't make it less harmful. Mm. Um, so they've got the carve out there because they acknowledge the risk that there's the potential for simply preaching a passage from a particular religious text could count, potentially, 
and they made sure it doesn't by carving that out. But when you go further to actively trying to change or suppress, it doesn't matter that it's based on a religious source. Sure, okay. So it, it would be legally okay to say, for a preacher to say, uh, the Bible says um, being gay is a sin. It would not be okay for that preacher to say, the Bible says being gay is a sin, and I can fix that if you come to me. Yes, if, if I can fix it, or I know you have these feelings, you you cannot act on them, you mustn't act on them, I will teach you how to ignore these feelings. Both of those two sorts of things would likely be caught. Eddie, you're pretty heavily involved in, certainly in the discussion around hate speech legislation, you're also really, really clued up on it. Do you sort of see parallels in a way between these two issues in you know, it's an attempt to legislate an area with, I mean, clearly with, with good intent, but very, very difficult to do that. It's a question of a certain type of expression that is claimed to do a certain type of harm and how you stop the harmful expression without being over-inclusive of things that we might disagree with but don't think that the government should be involved in throwing people in jail for. They're really difficult lines to draw. I think they're easier to draw here than in the hate speech context. Mm. But the debate doesn't seem quite so heated here, and I think in part because um, the government put out its actual proposal with actual wording on this one, rather than slightly vague proposals that we still haven't seen the final proposed legislation on for hate speech. Um, yes, overlap. I don't think they're the same, quite the same thing either. The hate speech context is really about creating an environment that makes groups feel unsafe, whereas this is firmly specific harm aimed at a specific individual yeah. which which also I think makes it easier to, to conceptualise and deal with than the slightly more abstracted harm that, that is claimed that hate speech does It was interesting reading through some of the submissions on this I noted that there was advice to the Ministry of Health and the Minister of Health in 2018 which advised against a ban and it basically said the best way to discourage practices in this area is not by just outright banning it, but is by emphasising that this stuff is dumb and it doesn't work. It doesn't work in the same way that sacrificing a lamb isn't going to bring on a good harvest, you know? And that that, and that, that educative approach is, is, is a more effective way of doing it than just saying, right, it's illegal now. What do you think about that? Do you think that there is room for an educative approach alongside this legislation? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think the the, the point that we're trying to get across is uh, we, we're I mean trying to avoid some of the, the moral arguments that people get. There are things that people get really upset about this because it's their religion or it's, it's their personal belief, and and I don't really want where we're coming from. It uh, is, is a public health point of view that, like you say, it is harmful and it doesn't achieve what people are, uh, are trying to do. And, and most people who, who practice these things are trying to help, actually. So we're trying to say, look, actually, you're hurting somebody by doing this. Um, and although you do say, it's a, you know, just by educating people, I think you use the word, it's a dumb thing to do. Unfortunately, human beings do lots of dumb things even when they know um, that it is dumb. Um, you know, there's loads of things like we all know that smoking's not good for us. We all know we should get more exercise, but we don't necessarily do it. So it, it, it's a bit of a blunt tool, is a ban, um, but in some ways, maybe it's a necessary one. 
do you think ultimately, and I mean this in the best way, that this is sort of like a virtue signal piece of legislation in the sense that we are putting our feet down and saying this is not an acceptable practice in New Zealand. We're going to enshrine that in law. We don't know how widespread it is, but we're just going to put it down in writing. This is not all good in this country. To some extent, and that's a a well-established function of law, is is to say what is and isn't acceptable. Treason is a crime in New Zealand, and I, I... don't know the last time it was prosecuted um, and it's it's the law saying this is the thing that society denounces and says is harmful um, and there's value in that but it's limited value like the symbolic value is real and the dealing with the truly egregious situations has real value but this isn't going to solve the harm done by people not being accepted by their communities due to their sexual orientation or gender identity. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile phone every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you'd like to get in touch, email us, thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Veal and Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Dr. Eddie Clark and Dr. Paul Skiro. Ka kite anō.